what I heard was like the the intentionality behind actually developing resiliency. You know, it's one thing to fall down and get back up and fall down and get back up and fall down and get back up, but like, are you actually growing? Welcome everybody to the Resiliency Theory Podcast. I'm Ashley Carson. Join in my journey as we discuss resiliency, values, and leadership with friends, peers, and leaders. Welcome, everybody, to the Resiliency Theory Podcast. Today, I have with me Ryan Schmid, the president and CEO at Verahol Health. Ryan and I have worked together for a number of years now, and I consider him a friend of mine. And I'm just really looking forward to having this conversation with um, Ryan this evening. So, Ryan, if you wouldn't mind, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to this also, Ashley. Um, thanks for inviting me. Um, well, to start, I have a great family. I've got two little kids who are six and seven that keep me extremely busy uh, outside of work. I'm married to my wife for over 18 years now. Um, very proud of that and think that we've got uh, a pretty amazing thing going. Um, been through an awful lot uh, and um, find that we we continue to get closer as the years go by, which I think is pretty special. Uh, grew up in Colorado, developed a real love for the outdoors there. My family moved to Oregon um, when I was um, you know, going into roughly junior high. I was always really active in sports and was a student athlete in college, um, which I think is uh, probably has a lot of relevance to this conversation uh, around resiliency. I think I've developed. Um, what I uh, have around resiliency, and uh, not in total, but in large part through the sports and other athletic endeavors. Um, and when I uh, finished school, my, my wife and I met in college, and um, I um, ended up moving to Seattle right when I completed school with the intention of doing um, nonprofit community development work. And I, I think it was my athletic background that. When I when I first moved into South Seattle, uh, you know, of the the myriad number of issues that I could have probably chosen to focus on, it was health and health disparity that really was the thing that I became very passionate about. And I, and I I think probably a lot of that um, does go back to the fact that I had really been able to experience just the, the best of the best in terms of like access to. Uh, you name it, um, services related to like sport, health, fitness, and so forth. Um, so from that, I also realized how entrepreneurial I was and, um, very quickly, as in within like months, um, <laughs> determined, uh, that I was going to open, uh, what became like my first startup <laughs> as a, as a nonprofit, um, kind of health and wellness community center. And that led to uh, two more nonprofit startups. One is a, a pediatric and behavioral health clinic, and then um, did some affordable housing as well. And um, it was kind of at the tail end of all of that that I chose to go back and get my MBA from uh, Seattle University, where I focused on entrepreneurship. And it was there that I was able to uh, build a team and create the 
business plan or a couple we'll call it version 1.0 <laughs> for what is now Vera Whole Health, which um, ended up uh, winning the business plan competition and kind of leveraged that to raise our seed capital, which then allowed us to actually um, open the business in March of 2008, which um, I'm sure you and the listeners will remember is the, probably the worst possible time to, mm-hmm. to start a business. So if there's like one takeaway in this this whole story, it's that my timing is really terrible. <laughs> that's kind of the main message. Oh, that's funny. Um, well, I'm just really pleased to have you on tonight. And you and I've talked about values. Vera Whole Health is a very values-oriented organization. And so I'm excited to explore the concept of um, resiliency with you. So for my listeners, uh, the theory I'm trying to prove, and, and some of you have been following me for a while, some of you might be new, I am just really curious around the concept of resiliency and, and, and whether or not it can be learned, is an innate. And taking it a step further, I, I started wondering, is there a, a resiliency quotient or maybe said a little bit differently, a values equation? So are there values or a set of values that make one more resilient than, than another. And it's been really, it's been fun and really interesting so far as I've interviewed different leaders, some of the trends that I've been hearing and, and, and some of their experiences and their values and how that lends to resiliency. So to start, Ryan, I would love to hear, what are your top three to five values? Yeah, my, my top three to five values, that, that, it's a really that's a great question, and I often wonder if my answer will, to this will change, like depending on circumstances. But then I can never remember how I answer it from time to time. So I think I think it's a pretty consistent set, and I I try to think about this on a pretty regular basis, as I think you know, Ashley. Um, but nevertheless, I, I also acknowledge that uh, it's 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 hard to. Um, come up with like three to five words to really capture the whole of what like governs a person's actions, which I think is largely how values are supposed to act. So and I think, you know, these will be close enough. Um, and in no particular order, I would say hard work for sure. And I, and not just like, yes, I think hard work um, here in this uh, COVID-19 era uh, grinding it out for 13 hours of Zoom meetings straight, you know, that's definitely hard work. Um, but I also, I, I would sort of also put a, uh, you know, a sub bullet to that value of like physical hard work. I do think that there's something to be said for just working hard, um, physically. Uh, the second one I would say would be problem solving. What one might say, uh, you know, like overcoming obstacles is is maybe a way of describing that. But I think that there's uh, something like really valuable about being able to identify and work through a particular challenge or problem um, without somebody just doing it for you or telling you how to do it. And and by the way, when I say you, I don't necessarily mean just like me as a person it could also be a a team or collective group of people Mm -hmm. the third i'd say humility i think that you know to be humble does not mean to like receive humiliation i think that some of the strongest most like 
courageous people and courageous acts have come from the, I'll maybe say least expected, which is probably not a total accurate representation, but um, those who are um, like truly humble. And I think humility, one way maybe thinking of that would be like the, the, the opposite of entitlement. Mm-hmm. Um, and not, it does not mean, you know, being a doormat and just like, um, taking it on the chin, but I think it definitely doesn't mean that. The fourth value, um, I think it goes along with humility, but it would be gratitude. I think that there is just some, there's a huge difference between those who kind of approach the world with a spirit of abundance versus a spirit of scarcity. Um, and I, and I think that like that, gratitude is so critical for not becoming cynical for not being entitled for not um becoming like greedy uh i think it's just a a very important um trait or value and the last uh, i would say would be optimism or maybe another way of saying optimism would be hope uh again like um, in in response to kind of cynicism or um defeatism uh i think there's something like extremely powerful and attractive about folks who um just tend to approach life with a spirit of hope or optimism or or even like a like can-do attitude that that's sort of that's making it cheaper than it is but one who uh it's it's not there's a there's a I think a clear difference between like optimism versus like arrogance, right? Arrogance would be, you know, like I can do anything um, because I'm the best or whatever. I think optimism is more, it's more grounded in that, uh, like that place of humility, which is to say that like, um, it's like, I, you know, yes, I, or we can overcome or can accomplish, but, but it's it's usually also rooted in a sense of doing so for a greater purpose or um, good. It's less so about self-aggrandizement and more around adding true value to the world and to those around us. Great. Thanks for sharing those. Uh, Just sort of reflecting back, you have my head spinning. I have a number of questions uh, related to some of what you shared that we'll dive into here in a, in a, few minutes, but the values that you outlined were hard work, including physical work and physical hard work, problem solving. Uh, and I really liked how you said overcoming obstacles, mm-hmm. humility, uh, gratitude, and you know, your, your comparison of scarcity, scarcity versus abundance, and then also optimism. And I really appreciate how you framed it up, uh, as it relates to also hope. So, um, Ryan, when you think about your values, where did they come from? I would say there's probably three general categories. One would be uh, just my family and upbringing. You know, I, I sort of an interesting um, mix of blue collar and white collar. <laughs> and I grew up, as I said earlier, in northern Colorado. And my, my dad's side of the family was very hardworking blue collar um, folks who grew up on uh, farms and 
Nebraska through the depression and sort of your, like that very um, typical story, like salt of the earth people who, um, you know, would, would reuse paper towels like until they were like literally turned to dust. I mean, that kind of a, <laughs> that kind of a folk. And then my mom's um, side of the family, uh, East coast, uh, successful in business, like just couldn't be more, more different. Um, my brother and I like to crack up because my, my mom came from a small community outside of Cleveland called Bay Village. Um, and my dad grew up in a small community in Northern Colorado called Loveland. It is actually called Loveland, Colorado. And we, we you know, we, my brother and I look back at pictures of my folks when they were in college and they met. We we often laugh and say it's, it's uh, when when Bay Village and Loveland collided. <laughs> they're, very, they're very much worlds apart. Um, but you know, but the the common thread in both of those uh, was you know like many of the values that I outlined, not probably not all, but were were consistent, <laughs> but also fairly well rounded in the sense that they just the life experiences that derived them were very. Um, quite a bit different. Uh, so, you know, definitely family and inclusive in family, I would say just the, the world around me in, in Northern Colorado at the time. Um, I definitely, you know, athletics and that, you know, I, I was very active in that my, my whole life through college and certainly the, the coaches that I had and their influence on me. Um, and, you know, I think, uh, had a very significant role to play in, in shaping my current values. Uh, and then I would say the third would be um, my faith and kind of spiritual or spirituality. Um, my, you know, that, that, what that looks like and how, how that has manifested has certainly evolved over the years, but, but there's definitely sort of a, a consistent thread um, there that I think has shaped a lot of, like who I am today. So when you think about um, your values, can you think of a time when your values were challenged and, and how did you respond? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's some, I think for all of us, like probably at some level on a daily basis, but you know, um, when we first, when we first opened Vera, Again, this goes back to March of 2008. And, and timing um, is everything. Timing <laughs> is everything, you know. Yeah, I actually, I like to joke and say that, you know, I, I single-handedly, like, caused the recession. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I take full responsibility for that because I vividly remember probably, I, I mean, I really think it was probably early September of LA. And I... <laughs> kind of embarrassing to say but i i I, uh i remember thinking you know the only the only bummer with how well things are going because we were six months in as a business and we were you know we were slightly ahead of schedule seems to be on a great trajectory but you know anytime you open something i mean it just never goes according to plan (laughs) and so i I remember thinking, you know, the only bummer with how well things are going is 
I'm just, I'm not going to have one of those like nitty gritty entrepreneurial stories. Like speaking, it's so funny. I didn't plan this, but speaking to my like hard work and problem solving values, like, like the, the, the fact that I had that thought tells you an awful lot about like my psyche. Right. <laughs> and so I thought, gosh, you know, I'm just, it's a real bummer. I'm not going to have one of those kind of nitty gritty stories. And I swear like within days or weeks of the, the stock market collapsed. The you know the, the recession, the, the 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 finance markets in general like completely imploded. I mean, <laughs> just if you remember, it was like the the world is actually coming to an end. Yeah. And needless to say, I, I had the opportunity to have that nitty gritty entrepreneurial <laughs> story. <laughs> um. So actually not right away, like in the, in the kind of early days of the recession, that kind of acute crisis is actually a space that I operate well in. For me, you know, as it sort of drug out and as it became more and more clear that what we thought Vera was going to be and do was not going to happen. That was really hard for me. I'm, I'm very like goal or success oriented for, for better or worse, you know, like our, our strengths are also our weaknesses. Um, and that, that time just felt like treading water with, you know, a, a ball and chain sort of around my waist. I mean, it was, it was really, really difficult. And I don't even think I fully appreciated how hard it was until, you know, later looking back on it. Um, and I would say that it, it really tested like every, it tested like me in all kinds of ways that I <laughs> definitely didn't see, didn't anticipate. Um, and, and as I said, I probably didn't even fully appreciate or realize when I was going through it. Um, but, you know, without without kind of repeating the list, um, you know, I think in all of those ways, it, it was, it was uh, especially at a pretty young age, I mean, it was really, it kind of shook me to my core. Um, and, you know, it, it was in that time that I had what was, what I considered to be my absolute best and absolute worst moment of self-awareness um uh, my wife and i went to new york city for um for thanksgiving to visit some friends who were there um and like (laughs) i'd never been there and i i loved it i thought it was absolutely amazing um but like living in seattle you know, it's difficult as things were, you could still kind of like get by, but I remember getting to New York, you know, I can't remember all of the details, but I remember we, we had to pay for like a $75 taxi ride to get to Brooklyn where our friends were at, which we didn't plan on. Yeah. And like that, like literally what was going through my mind was like, we can't spend another dollar while we're here. <laughs> Because that just busted us. Like, can't, like literally, I don't have enough money to like buy food. <laughs> and so, um, it, which was, which was that that was true. I mean, that was just where we were at in life. Um, and and that was like right when we showed up. And so I remember 
Do you want to use I'm sh- that, that it's relevant to where my story is going here? Uh, later that weekend, we were walking around, just pretty much went the whole weekend walking. And we were somewhere in like lower Manhattan, which of course is, you know, a pretty overwhelming place uh, in both a good and bad. And I was just walking around and I, I, it was, I, I like got almost felt struck by a lightning bolt where it was just so big and impressive and, and all of that, that I, the thought I had was, or I became acutely aware in that moment that best case scenario, I was average, <laughs> like, like absolute best case scenario. I was like absolutely average and, you know, I was young, but I pretty much been successful at, you know, most of what I had set out to do. I mean, I, you know, I was just, I was successful in school. I was a successful athlete. I started a number of um, organizations. I, you know, I, and I was also raised sort of that um, I was, uh, you know, my, my, my family like instilled in me that, um, you know, Hey, you can, you can do anything. You're special. I mean, they didn't use those words necessarily, but that was sort of like the general vibe. And so like realizing that and, and actually really coming to, grips with that was um it was it was like the like i said the the most probably one of the probably the most um important moment of self-awareness but also like really really hard (laughs) and because it just meant it was sort of like well what's the whole point you know i mean again when you when you're raised and like you kind of that athlete mentality of like winning no matter what it is that you're, you're doing Sort of that, like, wow, if like all of this effort is to be average, that's like kind of sad. Now, I'm saying this like through the, the lens of a, I think I was 29 at the time, right? You know, so just a baby. But, um, but in that moment, it was like that, that was, uh, that really, it really kind of shook me. And, and I think I had to kind of go back to the drawing board and figure out like what, you know, what is important. And, and, you know, my, I think this value list would have looked a lot different back then. It probably would have been much more like, I can, I've got one, it's win, <laughs> you know, like super, <laughs> whatever you call that. But, um, but I, again, it was a critical, critical moment in time, time for me. Yeah. What's, what's running through my head when you're talking about this experience in that moment and that, you know, when it struck you that you were just, you were average and you, you were absolutely average. It's almost like it felt like to me that maybe it was a humbling moment. Um, albeit, and, and maybe you disagree with this, albeit hard, hard to, to accept. Um, possibly that's where, or it, it, it provided that level of like humility and, and, and understanding and, more around self-awareness. And so what, what, what was interesting also is you said something and you, you actually started the first question with this, Brian, where, where you had mentioned, I'm not sure if my values always look the same. And so I'm wondering, I mean, it actually leads to a question I wanted to ask you and it's around, do you think, so I, I like to think about values and, and 
and I like to do what I call a values audit, right? So uh, what are my values? Are they still serving me? Um, if not, why? And just try and understand what is happening and is it about my values? Is it about the circumstance? And so I wonder, do you think that values remain the same throughout the course of your life? No, I, ho- hopefully they don't change too frequently. Um, there, there's, there's probably a diagnosis for that. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But no, I do, I do think I, I, they, sh- they, I think they almost like have to change a little bit as one has different life experiences. But again, like it, they, it probably shouldn't happen that often. I'm, I'm totally making this up. But let's say there's maybe like three big shifts, three or four big shifts that one goes through, and probably they sort of realign in those moments of time. I think that the how one goes about like fulfilling those probably changes quite a bit more regularly than, than what they actually are. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that concept around how one goes around fulfilling values can shift. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but I, but I agree. My, I feel like my values have remained fairly similar throughout the course of, of my young adult, adult life. And when I've gone through those difficult experiences or I've dealt with adversity, it's interesting how like loyalty is a value of mine, how important that is now that I've gone through another experience of adversity, right? And, and so it's just interesting how I think different values show up in different ways, depending on what you're going through. But I really appreciate this line about how one goes about fulfilling them. Um, it makes me think about them just from a different perspective and a different lens. So let's shift a little bit. I, um, I'd love to know from you, do you think that, do you think values and resiliency correlate? That's, you know, that's a, you're, you're posing a really great question. I've never, I've never thought of that. Um, but it seems to make a ton of sense. You know, when you, when one like thinks about what is, what is resiliency and, you know, are you born with it or can you develop it or is it a combination thereof? You know, I think they're probably like similar questions to that with values or other values. I mean, are, where do they come from? Mm-hmm. You know, is it, is it all intrinsic or is, is it part of like one nature or both? I mean, probably all of it's true to some extent, right? I mean, I think we probably all have good examples of folks who you might look at and say, wow, how, like, how, like, how does that person have that particular set of values relative to whatever their like upbringing or circumstances were, you know, mm-hmm. and you're just like, how'd that happen? <laughs> Good, bad, and indifferent. Right. Um, and so like with resiliency, I think that there probably is a ton of correlation. You know, it's, it's hard to imagine somebody, a, a some like a, a super resilient person that values um, laziness or, <laughs> or like, you know, entitlement or, you know, to take, take your pick. Right. I mean, it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem to, to line up and probably that, that same like intrinsic versus nature question around like, how do our values show up uh, could apply to resiliency. I mean, that, 
that would be my response to that. I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it. What do you, what do you think? You're, you've, you've asked the question. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, well, thank you for asking. No one's actually ever asked me. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I do think to some extent they do correlate. And actually, just in interviewing and spending time with people, there, there's so far there's absolutely a set of values that seem in in this instance and just with some of the research I've done to correlate to resiliency. Um, and it's been, it's been fun for me to track the different values that people share. And then as we go through this pod, as we go through the interview and I ask questions, seeing how it shows up and, and where that, where the correlation lies. So I do think to a certain extent, um, I think you're absolutely right that there, there's probably certain values that don't correlate to resiliency, um, you know, and, and that they don't make one more resilient for sure. So um, I, I definitely think there is some correlation, right? So speaking of resiliency, and, and, you know, this is not grounded in real, real theory or research. Like these, this podcast is because I'm curious about resiliency and I want to learn from others about resiliency. And so it's just been interesting to, and insightful to see some of the, the trends that have started to uh, show up, even in my sort of limited set of data that I currently have. So I'd love to know, what's your definition of resiliency? Uh, let's see. I would say, just off the cuff here, you know, one's ability to consistently overcome challenges. Okay. And do you think all people have some level of resiliency? Kind of going back to that, you know, is it innate? Are we born with it? Yeah. You know, I have to imagine some level. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. especially if you, if, if my sort of not well thought out definition is even like remotely close, like somebody, like everybody has to overcome like some level of challenge or difficulty, you know, mm-hmm. on a, on a daily basis. So yeah, I, I would have to imagine that um, there is resiliency like baked into each of us at some level. And then do you think that um, resiliency can be taught or learned? And if so, how? Yeah, I do. I think so. I mean, and it probably, unfortunately, comes from uh, overcoming, successfully overcoming challenges and um, sort of developing that that muscle memory, you know, like anything else, perhaps, that each time you can stretch yourself a little bit more or uh, maybe develop a little more confidence and become like slightly more resilient as time progresses. Uh, I think that, um, I mean, it just, it strikes me as something that, you know, you take a, you take a sport and there are some people who, you know, even as little kids, you just see them and you're like, wow, I mean, that person has got it. Like whatever it is, they're just like born with a different level of skill. And probably that's true at some level for with resiliency for some people. But having said that, you know, that that kid who maybe wasn't um, as naturally gifted that you know spent hours and hours and hours practicing <clears throat> got pretty good. Um, they weren't the best, but they're you know, pretty good. And I think I would have to believe that that um, can be true for resiliency. I mean, I think probably the the biggest <clears throat> challenge there is that 
it's probably really, really, I mean, it's hard, right? <laughs> because by, like by definition, you have to go through hard things <laughs> and nobody, I mean, naturally chooses that. It just, mm-hmm. just sort of happens, you know? Yeah. I'm uh, this one. I'm really curious about because I, you know, in my, my role managing people and leading the people to function, it's like, this is one of those muscles. I like to call it the resiliency muscle that I'm just, I, it's like how in business can we, can we teach this and, and support it to individuals and employees? And, and I agree. I mean, my definition of resiliency is similar to yours. Loosely defined, it's like in the wake of challenge or adversity, how one shows up and how one responds. And then I take it a bit further and I say uh, what an individual or person learns from that experience. And for me, the learning piece of it has always been really important. And that's, that's been my way to reflect, build some of that muscle memory and really consider, okay, well, what did I do in this scenario that maybe I should have done differently? And I think it just gives me a different um, reframe of the situation. That's good. I ask that question of everyone because I'm really, you know, I don't think that resiliency can be taught in a form of like 10 attributes, but, but I don't know. And and, and I actually think people have to experience that challenge or adversity to be able to practice resiliency or learn it. And, and so then in business, I keep thinking, okay, are there ways to create scenarios where people can lean into having that safety to do so and be able to practice? And it's, just, it's, it's one of the things that I'm really interested to continue to ask and learn from others if, if they've done it or if they 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 have ideas on how to teach it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. I really like your comment around the, the learning component. And what I heard was like the, the intentionality behind actually developing resiliency. You know, mm-hmm. it's one thing to fall down and get back up and fall down and get back up mm-hmm. and fall down and get back up. But like, are you actually growing? Right. If you're not intentional asking like, why did I fall down and what did I do to get back up? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's an interesting like take on it, which would be, I think, really valuable to thinking through how to actually um, help one develop resiliency. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's tough. And, you know, that's, that's also an interesting, like, and hope you don't mind me like resting on this for a second. But, no, please do. Um, you know, in the workplace, there's also sort of this like interesting dynamic between employee and employer, mm-hmm. you know, like most employees aren't going to respond super well. If you say, Hey, I'm going to intentionally <laughs> like really put you through uncomfortable challenge um, <laughs> and then ask you to learn from it. I mean, you know, obviously the, the, the folks that would appreciate that are probably naturally the ones who are already either more resilient or likely to develop it, which in that case, you perhaps kind of find ways to help identify those people, which would be really valuable. But we also, like, there are a lot of people also kind of approach work and employer with like a, you know, what have you done for me lately attitude? And um, and certainly not all. This is not like manually stretch of the imagination, like blanket statements, but just do you, sort of intentionally carve out smaller groups of people that demonstrate some like, motivation around this or try to try to like, cause obviously yeah, ideally you'd have everybody who 
and develops that resiliency backbone because it's just so critical for any business with especially in such an environment where everything just changes so rapidly. That's that's a really interesting question. Yeah. Well, and you know, one of the things like we've been going through COVID and you know, I like to try and find bright spots in every situation. And I've been really impressed with businesses who have been able to pivot really rapidly. And some, some businesses changed their business model overnight. And, and, that, and not only did the, the leaders pivot, but all of the employees had to pivot as well. And so it's like, how do you then pause and allow for a moment of reflection so that then people can think through, okay, what was that experience? How did it impact me? And how did it make me feel? And is there anything I would have done differently? And I I find that to be, uh, that's been a really good practice of mine throughout the course of my life. And and so I just, even in this scenario of COVID and and what we've gone through and what we've been experiencing, and and, and, and in even more recent times, Black Lives Matter and the protests, you know, it's really it's really important. And Ryan, you've said it a couple of times, but it goes back and it drives that self-awareness, which I think is a really key piece um, for, for, for all people to have a clear understanding, or at least be really self-aware and take that moment to pause and, and see what role they might be contributing. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. What I'd like to ask actually, since we're on the topic of self-awareness, do you have, are there certain tips or tricks that you've practiced yourself that help you develop your self-awareness? Hmm. Well, I, I, there are lots of people in my life that tell me all the times that I mess up. So that <laughs> makes it fairly easy. <laughs> uh, present company included. <laughs> Fair. I'll take that. Uh, so, well, I mean, actually I was, I was I, that was intended to be a total joke, but there's some truth in that. I mean, like, I think, and it probably goes back to the value of humility right? Mm-hmm. and and even like optimism or hope or actually maybe even problem solving as I'm thinking about my list. Like the, um, like if, so, if somebody is not able to receive feedback, mm-hmm. you know, that, that person is probably not on, like not, either super self-aware and certainly not on like a growth trajectory. Um, But it's also like, you know, giving feedback is really, it's hard and it's risky for the giver in a lot of cases. And, and, you know, especially just because of my title, like I don't think there probably aren't a lot of people that would feel comfortable with that unless there was like sort of a safe and reciprocal relationship. So I think, um, I mean, I think personally, I I try to, first of all, just develop relationships with trust and rapport um, that kind of just opens that door. And then also, you know, it's not something you just sort of jump into headlong, but like really re- reciprocate, meaning um, like, hey, we're, we're both in this together. We're both in pursuit of like helping one another be better. So like, let's, let's sort of trust, like in trust, share Feedback, which can help with self-awareness, you know, I think that's um, that's just one part of it, uh, yeah. obviously, because we, we all obviously have our own like, biases and so forth in, in any relationship. But I, I do think being surrounded by people who are also on like a similar journey and are willing to share in that with me uh, is really valuable. Um, I would say that 
uh, like for me, like multiple forms of my like spiritual practice, I think are, um, at some level really helpful for self-awareness. And that is to say like, what is my, like what at, at sort of a, a beyond like ego at like sort of a place of presence, like what is like, who am I and what is really motivating me? And then like, what are like the layers of protection that I think either I or, uh, circumstances of sort of like peanut butter over the top of that to kind of protect me from like whatever it is that my ego or construct is there to protect me from. And I think, you know, that, that, um, I, I personally find a tremendous amount of value in, um, that quest and that quest is in a, is in and of itself a big part of my like faith or spiritual spiritual practice. And um, I mean, like the, the trick is like every time I think that I'm getting close, that's usually my ego tricking me. So I'm actually getting further away. So it's, it's real, it's a real vicious cycle, <laughs> but nevertheless, like I do think just being very intentional about that is um, yeah. It is in and of itself, like super important. Um, and, you know, I think, it in the be like for me at least when I first started that journey, it was uh like I think the word practice is appropriate because like it was you know just like you practice a sport, I mean it's hard work, you know, it's not it doesn't come naturally mm-hmm. and can be very taxing and very uncomfortable. And especially because you almost I mean, like <laughs> most of us, the deeper we go, we're not like uncovering all these things that we're like really excited about and <laughs> make us feel good, you know, <laughs> it's usually the, other, the opposite. So it's, it can be really challenging, but then I do think like, and I think that that practice part is important. That is always part of the journey, but, but then there, it does also start to become more natural where certain, certain triggers or certain situations, um, uh, sort of remind us to kind of, you know, obviously, you know, this, but like at Vera, we call it like mindfulness or be grounded in, in mindfulness. And it's in those moments where it's like, it's one thing to do this work, like in reflection, it's another thing to do it real time because, you know, in those unique moments where we are able to be truly present, that's probably where we also like learn the most. Um, and, and it just, it, you know, obviously it's circumstantial and, um, you know, it's not something that is like always on that's impossible. But, but, but I think for me, like I've, I've tried to make that, tried to make the real time mindfulness, a, I'll call it a goal, probably better said like a pursuit that, uh, has been something that's been really valuable for me to learn, about like myself and what is actually, or what are my actual motivations and like, who am I really and what am I afraid of and, mm-hmm. and, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really think is important to call out here as it pertains to um, resiliency is that concept, Ryan, we don't always have choice in, and or opportunity to reflect. Right. And so sometimes 
at work or in your personal lives or with your friends, you're faced with a scenario that you have to respond to real time. And so I think having that pursuit of real time mindfulness and just really pausing, breathing, observing what's happening around you can go a really long way. Um, What I'd love to just kind of dig into this idea of practice and intentionality. So when you think about values and resiliency, how do they show up in, in, in your leadership? I I try to take my role as a leader of the company very seriously in particular, like as it relates to, um, like leading by example or sort of setting the setting the stage, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I think that like all of these, these, these concepts that we're talking about, like Mm -hmm. I, I value as concepts and like, I want them for other people. (laughs) And so like, I think that uh, if I'm not willing to like demonstrate at least an intentional effort, Mm -hmm then, um, then like shame on me for expecting that from anybody else Mm -hmm. that actually could be, that could be like a sixth value, like kind of a lead by example, um, uh, thing. It's always, that's something it actually probably should be on my list. Like that's something that's always been like really, really important to me. And I've learned, you know, it's funny because it's not funny. It's, there's a sort of like dissonance that happens in my head. Cause like, no matter how much, no matter how much I, this like lesson is reinforced over and over again, or no matter how much I um, know better in my head, mm-hmm. like I, I think that I will like always or deep down inside have this like archetypal story in my head of like the, the CEO being like this in, infallible domineering, you, you know, like the, the like pounding fist sort of <laughs> perfect kind of character. And again, like I a hundred percent know that's not true, but like, that's just this, like this story that is like stuck mm-hmm. in my head. And, mm-hmm. um, and so like, no matter how many times it happens, like I am to this day, so surprised every time um, I'm like vulnerable and people respond favorably. <laughs> Silly as that sounds, um, like literally every time I'm like, man, I can't believe that like I didn't get laughed out of the room, you know, <laughs> and 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 that that probably is like a version of resiliency where like it does probably get a little bit easier each time but not easy, you know, it's still kind of terrifying, you know? And so I just, but like, I'm also pragmatic enough to know, and this is kind of the, the, the like intentionality behind it does produce um, positive results. Yeah. I, I mean, to work with you, of course, I see your values shine through as a leader and, and, and as a, a, a really humble leader of our organization. And I agree you know, I think when you think about that vulnerability piece, right, uh, when people demonstrate vulnerability, they then themselves are putting, you know, you're putting yourself out there and, and you're putting yourself in possibly an uncomfortable scenario and people see 
the true sides of leaders when they have the ability to be vulnerable. And that's one of the things I really value in your leadership is the transparency and that vulnerability. And I, I'm sure I've shared this with you, but just how humble you are as a leader and, and it, they definitely come through. Um, so it's, it's nice to see that, you know, to experience hear them from you and then also be able to experience them um, while, while driving this revolution together. Thanks. Of course. Um, I have a similar question, but just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. How are your values reflected in the company values or are they? Oh yeah. That's a good question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, I vividly remember uh, when we wrote those um, there's a, there's a, a trailhead at Tiger Mountain with like a little covered area that uh, we went up and like, Basically, I was going to say quarantined ourselves, but given the <laughs> given the current um, situation, I was trying to shy away from that word. Yeah, probably too. I guess I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I, yeah. There's no question. I mean, they are they are very much a like reflection of who I am and my own personal values. The reason that uh, like the the so our company values are to do well and do good love those we serve and personal and corporate authenticity. Um, and values represent like a set of beliefs that inform how one acts. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's kind of how I think about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, so the reason my like personal values weren't like word for word was you know, trying to think about, okay, and what is what is Vera as a company, and what are we trying to accomplish in the world? And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, you've heard me say this a bunch over the years, but like I firmly believe in like the rule of three. I mean, like most of us, if you want somebody to, like actually remember something and <clears throat> like use it in a meaningful way, like you the, the can't the list can't be longer than three. I mean. Sure, maybe four, maybe five, but like rule of thumb is three. <laughs> and like for me, it was important to have values that did actually like inform how people acted. And in order for that to happen, like they had to be able to like memorize them and use them um, when they're making decisions. And so we spent quite a bit of time on this and landed on those three because you know it seemed to provide the right like bumpers for. Um, what sort of like what's in bounds and what's out of bounds in terms of behavior and to try to create like hire the right kind the, the kinds of people that we wanted to like accomplish this idea of a health revolution but you know it's not just about like the goal of like the what it's really also about the how you know and, and how we conduct ourselves um, as we're going about the, the what is critically important. And without it, like you're never going to accomplish the what was sort of how we saw it at the time. So, so yeah, the, the company goals are um, super consistent just with like who I am as a person. And that, that is very much like by design, but, but not just because of me, it's like really more that those values should help. It's not the only, it's, you know, obviously not the only the only part of the story, but like they should really help folks either like self-select in or mm-hmm. select out if there's just like gross in inconsistencies and it's just not gonna be the right fit for somebody. 
Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, I, I chuckled a little bit when you talked about the rule of three, um, because yes, I've heard that many times over the last number of years, but how you framed up and I appreciate it actually. And I agree. Uh, I, I think, and, and I, I chuckled because when you talked about the history and the origin of your values, uh, you said that it came from three different, 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 uh, topics basically. So it's kind oh, of, that's funny. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Sure did. Yeah, you did. I was like, oh, should I call it out now or later? Let's see if it comes out naturally. Um, So I have just a couple more. (laughs) Good call. (laughs) Um, I have a couple more questions. So, Mm -hmm. you know, part of this podcast for me is just really trying to understand people's values if they correlate to resiliency, and and how what I shared at the beginning is. trying to answer this question. And I admittedly, I don't have the answer today, but it's around whether or not there is a resiliency quotient or maybe said differently, a values equation. And so I wonder from you, Ryan, do you think there's a resiliency quotient? Yeah, you've really got me thinking about that. Um, I think I couldn't tell you what it is, but you know, based on this dialogue and um, yeah, my guess is, there probably is Mm -hmm. or whether it's like exactly one or like maybe a couple of pathways. I don't know, but my guess is like, yeah, it stands to reason that there, there is a correlation between values and resiliency. That seems to make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe taking it a little bit uh, deeper if you had to name your resiliency quotient, what do you think it would be? There's got to. Sorry, this is. I'm. I'm really thinking about this. Like, there's got to be drive, in no particular order. Like, yeah. drive plus hope plus purpose equals resiliency. There you go. That's my shot at it. Great. <laughs> That's good. I like it. Um, and I, I'll share with you just sort of anecdotally some of what I've heard from others um, in the form of resiliency is around um, drive, perseverance, grit, growth mindset. Um, and so there have been some similar words, right? Um, they might have yeah. slightly different meaning, but it, it's been it's been kind of cool as I've interviewed people just hearing some of those those themes already. So, and I, I'm really excited to continue to chat with people about it. And I loved your, your, your answer about your own resiliency quotient, Ryan. So thank you for that. Yeah. My pleasure. Uh, well, I really, yeah. Um, I really appreciate the time that you took with me tonight. Uh, I was just excited about the conversation and I love learning and I wrote down a bunch of notes around self-awareness and, uh, you know, just some converse, just some thoughts around, um, maybe it's not necessarily about when you think about that, the values audit, it's maybe not just about the values, but how you're fulfilling them. Like I really, that piece really stood out to me. And so I'm going to put a little bit more thought into it for myself. And I'm just really grateful for you, my friend, and appreciate your time tonight. And, you know, thanks for joining me, uh, in my podcast. Well, I am grateful for you as well, and, and also for the opportunity. This is this is fun. You really got my head spinning. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, have a lovely evening. Okay, Ashley. You as well. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
I'm Ashley Carson. Thanks for listening to the Resiliency Theory Podcast. Our journey of learning and my quest to understand resiliency continues. Check out my blog at resiliencytheory.com to continue this conversation. Or if you want to listen to my next podcast, follow me there. If you'd like to connect with me, there are a few ways. You can follow me on my Instagram page at Resiliency Theory or my LinkedIn page at Ashley Smith Carson. You can also email me at hello at resiliencytheory.com.